Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire Show. I am Julie Anderson, your host, and I am so excited about the show today. I'm excited not only because are we getting into our groove here with having regular Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire podcast to send out to the public, but also because I get to interview some absolutely amazing people, and today is one of my faves. I tell you, I just love this woman. We've gone back a little ways uh, in when we first met because we actually first met at a one of our in-person networking events for Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire. And I just love her personality and I love her and that she's so authentic in so many different ways. Uh, faith-based, she's just a great, great, great gal. So I'm looking forward to introducing you to our wonderful guest here in just a minute and highlighting what she does as a business and her share her wisdom because she's just chocked full of it. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind everyone that, of course, you are listening to the Women Entrepreneurs Podcast, and we are all about women entrepreneurs. We are about helping women entrepreneurs thrive. A little bit of the background of the group and the show is that we came out of, we were kind of birthed out of the desire to help women achieve more in their entrepreneurial endeavors, in their entrepreneurial businesses. And I have found over my 20 plus years of being in my business as Julie Brain Lady Anderson and my company, Your Best Mind, that we there are just so many women that struggle and as wonderful woman entrepreneur extraordinaire Sandra Yancey owner of and creator of eWomen Network says you don't know what you don't know and a lot of times why women in business struggle is because they don't know <laughs> they just there are so many facets to being an entrepreneur and to integrating that with your personal life and your family life and your me time, it's just, it can be quite a challenge. And so that's the point of this podcast is to help women to be more successful, not just in their entrepreneurial business, but to teach them the things that they don't know that they need to know to help them overcome the challenges that they have, but also to kind of broaden their mind on how to be successful in all of their relationships, whether they're their personal relationships or their professional ones in their business. And that is the point of the entrepreneur, Women Entrepreneurs Show. So every other week we discuss a topic, we bring some wisdom to the table and talk about a certain challenge that women entrepreneurs are engaged in or may see come up or feel come up in their business. And the, uh, the alternate weeks, we have I have the privilege of being able to interview amazing female entrepreneurs that I have met over the years or that I have been introduced to that really brings a nuance to the table and I get to highlight them and their business because they are women you should get to know and I get to as well let them share their wisdom with the listeners and today as I said I'm very excited and I want you to stay on till the end of the show so you can 
get all the contact information and find out more about podcasting in general. But I want to introduce to you uh, I, 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 my wonderful friend, Lisa Welsh, and she is a, a broker of Your Property Connection, Inc. So she's in real estate. That's her main career. And she began her real estate career as an investor, negotiating hundreds of short sales, purchasing the home, and then flipping them to end users and other investors. She became a broker because the agents that worked with her treated her like a transaction, a paycheck, or like maybe they were better than she was. So what she brings to the table is that personal touch. You are never a transaction to Lisa. And Lisa's motivation is to make buying and selling a home as easy as possible. And today we're going to talk about that with women in business and a little everything that you need to know. So welcome. Welcome to the show, Lisa. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm just so excited to be here. Thanks. I'm glad you're here. Like I said to the listeners, we met uh, years ago at one of our in-person networking events, and I, I love – Lisa always has so much to share, and while she is technically, <laughs> you know, the broker of your pers- property connection, she has all kinds of organizational tips and all kinds of great things that she always brings to the other members of the group. So, like I said, that's one of the reasons why I'm excited to have you here on the show. So, Lisa, Thanks. help us in this this topic because I know I know with women entrepreneurs I think this is a great topic for us because you may be in a completely I don't care what your business is as an entrepreneur out there I'm in public speaking I have an informational uh, production business where I help people with their brain personality connection neuroscience all this different kinds of stuff right but what a lot of us do is we get so into our niche what we are doing in business that we get narrow-minded in terms of, should I say, our exit strategy strategy, or what are we going to do when we're 60 and we're done doing some of the things that we're doing? What's our end retirement? What's our end? What's the extra money that we can make along the way to invest? And traditionally, real estate, isn't that like one of the best investments that individuals can make, especially for long term? It is. Um, Real estate is a physical thing that you can own and you can do multiple things with it. You can rent it, you can flip it, you could, you know, just hold it over as a, you know, buy a smaller house now and keep it for when you do retire. So it is a great option for women who are self-employed because we don't have the traditional 401ks to throw money into or some stuff like that. And we don't always have the money to do that, but knowing that you could save for real estate and just have a down payment and have it rented and earn that income is just a great, great, you know, just another avenue of revenue. Yeah, and I think when you look at all of the truly successful individuals, uh, whether they're they're big in business, corporate, if they're, uh, you know, um, what am I thinking, celebrities, almost everybody who's really successful, they have their toes in real estate, don't they? I mean, aren't a lot of them involved in real estate in one way or another? They do, yes. 
mostly yeah. renting, but uh, some people, you know, choose to just take on the flipping aspect of it as well. So, Right. And it seems like now with, uh, what is it? My husband, he's an H- HGTV, I think, junkie. Like, he loves all of those shows. And there's even big shows on there now that have become very successful about this exact topic, buying a home and then flipping it or buying a home and remodeling it or whatever the case is. So it's becoming more and more, um, should I say a known industry more and more that tell me, is it something that the average person out there, even if you're not a female entrepreneur, is it something that the, just the average person out there can get started in it is i mean they have so if you're new to real estate whether you own a home or you want to have a rental um you know or just downsizing or upsizing and you want to keep your home and and use that as a rental or buy a new one there's um you know you just need to start out with one saving some money having a goal um, when you look to rent, you definitely want to look at the numbers and whatever you purchase the home for, you want to make sure 1% of that is going to cover is your rental. So if you have something for 200000 that you're going to purchase, you want to make sure that your rent is going to be about $2,000. And then that'll cover all of your expenses plus give you a little pocket for some miscellaneous mishaps that might happen throughout the year. Now, some individuals may be listening to this. And for us, we're in Northern California. So to think of a $2,000 a month rent on a home is it's, it's what we see out there in our, in Northern California. Uh, Would that same rule play into or come into play when you're buying in areas of say the United States that are that don't have that high a rent then would you just be looking for a home then that costs less if you're going to flip it into or if you're going to turn it into a rental well the thing with the one percent rule is it kind of just follows whatever the you know prices are for homes in that area so if you have you know, a $100,000 home, which would be probably up in, you know, I have no idea, Um, (laughs) maybe Midwest area, Michigan area, those kind of things. Um, You know, if you get a $100,000 home, you just want to make sure that you're getting a $1,000 rent. If you have a $500,000 home, you want to make sure that, you know, you're getting five thousand dollar rent but you know the size of the home also determines it too because if you i'm not a big fan of zillow but if you go on to zillow for rentals it'll tell you how much the rents are per square foot and rents like for uh-huh. example in roseville are going anywhere from you know 110 to 135 to 150 per square foot so you just wow. have to make sure that you're square footage and and your purchase price line up so that you can be able to afford that as a rental. Now, do you have good advice? This just popped into my head because this is something that I've, we have thought of. We have a rental um, and we haven't necessarily been faced. We've been blessed that we've had good rent, 
renters in there and we don't rely on that rental income, my husband and I, for day-to-day living. It's, it's the extra, it's the, you know, put away for retirement money. But for individuals who, um, who are utilizing some of that rental income to make their monthly bills, what is a good, what's a good uh, backup, I should say, or savings amount that you should have for, for turning over the rental? So in other words, if, if we have to, if someone's moving and they move out of our rental next week, how long, how much buffer do you suggest people have to re-rent that property? Because you're going to have to pay your house payment, whether or not right. it's someone's in there. What's a good rule of thumb for that? So I would say at minimum three months. So three months of rent and we can go through what you need to include in that rental income because there's certain things that are attached to the house that if they don't pay, you want to make sure that it's covered. But three months is a good solid amount because if they don't decide not to pay for a month or two and you need to go through the eviction process, you want to make sure you're covered. If they move out, you want to make sure that you're able to afford both mortgages. So at minimum, three months of rent you need to have in a savings account so that you can go ahead and get that covered. And as you make money on it, if you have extra, I would just keep filling up that pot so that, you know, you have almost six months to a year eventually of rental income that if something happens, you have plenty of money to take care of it. You have plenty of money to do repairs. You have plenty of money to do all that stuff. That's a good point because that was going to be my next question. And, you know, if you know, okay, let's just throw out some figures here and you can, you know, adjust them <laughs> if, you're, if I'm way off. But there are expenses that come up in addition to your rental. So if your mortgage is, say, $1,500, you want to rent, obviously, I mean, if if your goal is more long term, like I'm I'm growing equity in this property. I don't necessarily have to make a positive cash flow month to month. You still want to have some kind of a buffer in there in case the roof leaks or a pipe breaks, that type of thing. So what's a good, if, if $1,500 is your mortgage, what's a good amount that you want to be gaining in addition to that to constantly be putting in a buffer for, repairs that might pop up like do you have a formula for that i do um so you want to include your total mortgage so which is a is piti which is principal interest taxes and insurance so that is consistent with what your mortgage payment typically is as long as you have your uh, money for taxes and insurance taking out within your mortgage if not, and that's called escrow, your, your taxes and, and insurance. And if you are not, then you want to make sure that those are added into the formula. So principal, interest, taxes, and insurance is first. You want to make sure you pay water and sewer because those two items follow the home. They don't follow the person. So you want to pay those. Um, everything else can be transferred to the renter. Any maintenance costs you might have, um, like mowing the lawn, um, 
you know, keeping up the property. Maybe you have a roof maintenance that you do every year. You want to make sure that those are included. Um, so I do. If those are included, always, always have, try to have the tenant pay those um, within the rent. And then the other suggestion that I have, which is not normal, is that I have a house cleaner go into your home once a month, clean kitchens and bathrooms only. If the renter wants more, then they could pay for that. But at least you'll have eyes on the house once a, mo once a month so that you can see if there's any water spilling, you know, over, if there's any leaking, if there's anything broken that they're not reporting, those kind of things. And then um, on that note of keeping eyes on the property, the other thing you could do is routine maintenance. So you as a homeowner can go in and change your filters every three months, which means you can schedule that and have eyes on the property yourself. Because that's really important to keep, it's, it's your asset, it's your retirement possibly. So it's really important to keep that in good shape. Wow, those are great tips. I would have never thought of having a, a housekeeper go in once a month and do a deep clean of the bathrooms and the kitchens because those are your those are high high expense to have to fix something in those areas, right? Right. And if your and yeah. if your oven's broken and nobody lets you know, you know that's just an expense that you're going to have to do when they move out, which isn't the most convenient time sometimes, you know, because you don't have the income to do that. Right. Great tips. Great tips. So that's the, that's if you are doing, if, if you're buying a home with a long-term goal of building that equity and then being able to sell that later on or remodel it, move in it or whatever, what about flipping? What if that seems to be like, uh, like I said, I'm probably just thinking this more because my husband watches HGTV, but um, there's definitely, and I've never years and years ago, so it goes back 30 years and I'm giving away my age. My father-in-law and I started looking into the idea of doing flipping and we could never, we could never get it right. Like we could never find homes that we thought we could flip, repair, buy cheap, repair, and then flip it and make some money. And you say that there's a formula for that as well. What's that formula? What are you, what are you looking for when you're looking for a home that you can flip? So, so here's the rub is if you're average Joe or Joette and you are purchasing a home and you're not going to do the work yourself, you want to make sure that you have a trustworthy contractor who isn't going to, you know, just totally cremate your budget. So one, you want to have a budget. The other thing is you want to interview contractors to make sure that they're going to work within that budget. You could even propose to them an equity split of some sort where, you know, you put up the funds in the beginning, they do all the work, and then they get paid out of the equity of the home if you're going to flip. Um, the other thing you want to look for when you actually go to purchase a flip home would be what needs to be done. If you are not handy, you want a cosmetic fixer, which means you want paint, maybe carpet, um, you know, it, nothing 
nothing like a, a kitchen remodel or a bathroom remodel. Those things are going to be for more of the uh, non-fainted heart type people. Um, if you're going to do, you know, the work yourself, like I said, you want to stick with a cosmetic fixer so that you could do it quickly. If you're going to hire a contractor, you definitely want to find more of the homes that need kitchen and bath remodels because that's where you're going to make most of your money off of is the kitchen and bath. Um, and then whenever you purchase, you just want to make sure that you include, uh, so you have your purchase price, you have your escrow and title when you purchase the property, you have your commissions for real estate when you purchase, and then you have your total of what you bought it for. Then after that, you have your repair costs. And then you have your resale costs. And people forget to add that into their flipping formula. So the, the formula that you want to use is really your purchasing, your repair, and then basically your selling. So as a seller, you pay full commissions for realtors. Um, and so you have to make sure that that is included. You pay for, um, you know, you pay for escrow and title and, and title insurance and all that stuff. So when you do your flipping, you definitely want to make sure you include that into your end result of what you're going to sell it for. That's, those are great tips. So, when I'm when I'm looking at a property, is there a let's say I'm I'm is there like a percentage of profit that you feel makes it worthwhile? Does that make sense? Like, okay, so I've I'm gonna buy this property for a hundred thousand, it's gonna cost me uh, you know, twenty five thousand to do the repairs and I have to, you know, pay my commissions. So what then would I need to get out of it to make it worth I think what I'm getting at is sometimes when I do a project in my business, at the end of the project, I kind of look at what I made per hour on that project. And I'm like, oh, I just made $3 an hour for doing this big project, right? Because I right. didn't take into consideration how much I needed to price that product at or how much time it was going to take me to do that. So what is, you know, if I, if it's going to take me a month, for example, to do the repairs, you know, what's that, is, is there a good amount of money that you would say, well, you have to make at least $5,000 profit or $10,000 profit to make this project worth it in the end? Do you have a well, rough most, figure for that? Well, most experienced investors that I work with, um, they look for 30% or more. So 30 to 30%. 50% is their, is their sweet spot. Um, Got it. You know, when you're just starting out, if you could make, you know, 10, 20%, you're doing great. Perfect. Um, Good to know. So, right. And keep in mind in that formula that I told you about earlier, you want to make sure you put your holding costs in there, which is your principal interest taxes and insurance. So if you're going to keep it for one month, then you put one month of that. If you're going to keep it for two, three months, you want to make sure that that's in there. And then you also have the electricity that the guys are going to use to fix your house. And so basically you just want to make sure that your holding costs are in there as well and that they're all covered. 
Okay, so I didn't, we didn't prepare this next question, <laughs> but I'm just going to ask you, do you have like a cheat sheet, like a punch list that you go over with people that are looking for investment properties that kind of cover all of it? Because as you're giving all these details, I'm going, oh, I need to write really fast because <laughs> I need to think about all these things if I were to get into doing this. Is there, do you have a, you know, a list of the things that you need to take into consideration financially when you're doing this? I do. And of course, they can call me and use me as their their real estate broker. I would love that in any kind of situation. But the um, yeah, if they just want to email me because they are just getting started and they want to learn about all this information, then um, they can go ahead and email me and um, they can go ahead and email me and I will go ahead and send that information out for them. Perfect. And you know what? We have talked in the past. I don't know where Lisa's at with this project, but I'm telling you, I'm going to put some pressure on her because we've talked in the past that she put produces a little tip book, little tip book on this kind of stuff because this would be perfect. This would be perfect. I, know. I really need to uh, do that. I have it half done, but. <laughs> I know. Right. Right. She's been quite busy on her own with her own real estate issue or uh, things she's been doing. So tell us before we wrap this up, what are the improvements when I'm looking at a piece of property to buy to flip? What are the improvements that are going to get me the most bang for my buck? That's going to make it so that I'm going to get, I'm going to push towards this 30% profit turnaround as opposed to the lower end, what's, what are those improvements? Uh, so you really want to look for some, something that has a not so great look and feel from you walk in and the layout is really important. So you want to think family, you know, how does this work for a family? Is the layout good? If the layout is not good, just move on. Just say next. The, um, but when you find that layout, that's perfect. Like I said, it depends on how how far into a flipping aspect you want to get. I mean, if you're, you know, if you just want to do a quick flip where it's just cosmetic, takes one month, painting carpet, uh, maybe changing out a couple of um, of the countertops, that's a one month flip. You put it back on the market and you sell it for, you know, hopefully 20% over what your holding cost is and what your your budget is. Um, if you're looking to get more into the reconstruction of a property, then you could fix any layout. You can, you know, that would take a contractor that you really want to have a good relationship with. So looking for something, it really just depends on what the individual buyer or investor is looking for and what their purpose is for the property. And if they have questions about that, I'd be happy to tell them, talk to them as on an individual basis. Awesome. Now we have a caller that just called in, so let's bring them on on and see what uh, what question they might have for Lisa. Oh, I'm Hello, you are Hi. live. Um, give us your Hi. name and where you're calling from. My name's Julie. I'm calling from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Awesome, Hi, Julie. Julie. You have a question for Lisa? Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty young. I just got out of uh, college. I only did a two year program. Um, okay. I was thinking about flipping homes, but I was thinking about doing something like, um, kind of like an online business selling products. So selling products to flippers? Um, yep. Yeah, flippers and, um, 
See, I had one business where I sold a Howard Stern's butthole. Sorry about that. We have a little, sometimes we get a little interesting <laughs> callers in there. We will edit that out in our post-production and ca- pardon oh, the, so funny. <laughs> pardon the, uh, it's always, that's always one of those risks in doing a live show. You never know what is going to be coming on, but uh, forgive us for that little interruption. All right. So back to the topic. This is this has been so informative for uh you know for us. It's just I know like I said for me, we do have one rental property and uh, we're looking at you know we're always looking at that that option of flipping and I have a dedicated business. My husband has dedicated business, right? We have our own businesses, we have our own entrepreneurial businesses. But I as I said earlier, it's this is something that having diversity in our financial portfolio as women entrepreneurs, we don't often think about doing that because like Lisa said in the beginning, we don't always have a 401k. We don't always have an exit strategy. We're not we're so engulfed in our business day-to-day businesses and just the excitement of that day-to-day business that we don't think there's going to come a time when I'm 65 and I don't want to do this anymore or I just want to cut back on my day-to-day business activities and I want to be able to bring investments in different areas or being able to flip property and then put that profit into some type of a retirement income is a great strategy. Property, flipping property could also be your retirement. I mean, if you buy up houses when you're younger, working full time and basically renting them and getting that income, paying down the mortgage and then when you retire or cut down your hours, you can go in and fix them up and turn them over at that time, which would be a really great lump sum way to get your retirement going and be able to travel and have those that couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank. So it's another way to think about it. Right. That's awesome. All right. So as we're wrapping up, I always like to ask my dynamic guests to share with our listeners their top tips, whether that just their one or two top tips about surviving the crazy world of entrepreneurship. So Lisa, what are the one or two top tips that you would share with someone starting out in their business or struggling in their entrepreneurial business that has helped you to be successful in doing what you do? So I've been a broker for 10 years. I've you know, and some people call it solopreneurship where, you know, it's just you and your business and you're working really hard on it. That's really hard. As women, we are especially social beings. We love to communicate and commiserate and just, you know, pal around with each other and go over business ideas. And so join a couple of networking groups, get, you know, maybe get a couple of really great partnerships going with other women or other business people to, to bounce all ideas off of, you know, so it's just important to keep those relationships up and not just be in your relation, not just be in your business on your own. 
I love that. And like I said in the beginning, that's how Lisa and I met was through a networking. And they, I tell you, when you have these relationships, I feel anyways, it helps you more than just a, uh, you know, I can refer to you, you can refer to me type of a thing. It helps sometimes when you just want to chat about something you're going through in your business and they know because they've been going through it in their business too. So sometimes it's just that friendship. And like you said, that relationship. So thank you very much for that, Lisa. Sure. Thanks for having me, Julie. I so appreciate it. I love it. And we've got, I know we have other topics that we're going to discuss with Lisa on a future program. I think I saw her out there scheduled in a few months. So Until we have you back again, thank you so much for being here on the Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire podcast. I appreciate your presence and your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. And ladies, happy hunting, house hunting, and happy investing. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So to connect with Lisa, she said several times she would be open to, you know, connecting with you and sending you tips. So connect with Lisa more and find out more about all of the things that she does because she is a dynamic entrepreneur that has her fingers in more than just buying and investing as a broker. Send her an email at YPC, that stands for Your Property Connection, YPC.broker at gmail.com. And I will have on the show page, that is a, I will have that posted on the show page. So if you go to womenentrepreneurspodcasts.com, all plural letters are all plural words, women entrepreneurs with an S podcasts.com. You will be able to see the women entrepreneurs show on that station and all of this information on how to get in touch with Lisa uh, to find out more or just to stay connected with her because she's a dynamic individual to stay connected with. All right. For those women entrepreneurs out there who would like to join our amazing group of women, then join us on Facebook. We have a Facebook presence. We also have women entrepreneurs extraordinaire.com. That is our resource site. It is a one-stop resource site. We are building for women entrepreneurs to find all of the uh, resources that they need to be successful in business. We are building it. It is a work in progress. We have some experts on there, and I can guarantee that if you have a challenge, you shoot me an, an email at info at womenentrepreneursextraordinaire.com, and I can connect you with the person who can help you with that challenge. You can also join that Facebook group that I talked about. And, again, these are all linked on the show page. Uh, If you join our Facebook group, Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire, this is an area where you can start conversations about challenges or you can share with us your wisdom. Share with us what you do. Uh, You never know what ladies you're going to be connected with in that group. We have over 800 women in that group at the moment, and we are growing daily. So we are looking forward to having you included in there. And if you have a, if you either know of a woman that you think should be featured on the program, you think would be a great guest for the program, then connect with me again, info at womenentrepreneursextraordinaire.com. Let me know. I am Julie Anderson, the organizer of the group, the administrator of the group, as well as we have, we have launched our podcast network. I love it. So that is Women Entrepreneurs Podcast. 
Com. And we are, we have uh, currently two shows, the Brain Lady Speak Show and the Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire Show on that podcast station. And we are actively looking for amazing, dynamic women who want to share their wisdom in that platform. Podcasting is incredible. It is amazing what the benefits are to that. That's a topic that we've covered a couple of weeks ago, but the recording wasn't that great. So we're going to do our next week's show is going to be on podcasts and the benefits to podcasting. So tie into that. If you want to start a podcast program, shoot me an email. I will show you how affordable and how easy it is to get started on our network. All right, ladies, I just want to tell everybody, thank you so much for being on the show, for listening to this show with us. Thank you to Lisa Welsh for sharing her amazing wisdom with the listeners today. And as I leave my Brain Lady Speak show every week, I just want to make sure that everybody just simply enjoy every moment. Until next week.